Welcome to Surgery Talks. In this podcast, I will be talking to Mr. Michael Wilson, who has completed a trauma fellowship at St. Mary's Hospital in London. I'll be asking him about his experiences of chest trauma. Michael, um, I was going to ask you, uh, as a starting point, um, your indications for doing a emergency resuscitative thoracotomy in the accident and emergency. Okay, um, I think the answer to that is relatively straightforward. Um, in a case of penetrating trauma to the centre of the chest and a patient who's shocked and physiologically compromised. That's quite simple. Yeah. Yeah, the way it should be. Yeah, yes. but, but they don't always present that way. And what, how would they have present them in your experience? So uh, normally, um, when, when I've seen them before, there's been clear signs of life and often, you know, when, when en route, uh, when the paramedics bring them in, they've been conscious, alert, and then they've just suddenly deteriorated either uh, as they approach the hospital or once they arrive uh, in the ED and it's normally very clear. You've had a previously responsive patient who's now unresponsive with, with penetrating wounds uh, to the thorax, and those are the patients where you've got, you've, you make a decision and then you proceed to make, it, make the incision. In what situation would you then do a scan, and in what situation do you decide not to do the, your clamshell in A&E but take the patient to theatre? So, again... I think that's relatively straightforward. That's in a patient who's conscious, um, who's who's, and I've seen it before, who who is actually talking to you um, with the penetrating chest wounds that you can see and who you've got a high suspicion for injury for, but who actually physiologically is managing to tolerate tolerate the the trauma that they've received. But what do you mean by um, physiologically going to tolerate? So... Give me an example... Think of a patient that you would say first of all I'm, I'm kind of assuming majority of patients can be taken to theatre uh, yes the majority I mean, there, is, there is time there is quite often time to do a scan yes and if there's no time to do a scan there's more often you can get them straight to theatre without the scan and what uh, how would you make that decision how would you decide this patient needs to be opened right now no time for a scan, which patient is not going to have a scan and going to go to theatre and which patient is going to go to scanner? I think it's, it's the patient's physiology. Give me a figure for uh, blood pressure. Blood pressure less than 90 systolic. Okay, so what would be that? So systolic of 85, what are you going to do with that patient? So, are they celebrating? Are they able to talk? Okay. Um, and and the, the, to me, that patient is, is telling me from the end of the bed, I, I've, I'm, I've got a bit more time. Yeah, it's a bit of a sort of a judgment, isn't it's, it? So I think there is certainly a, an element of judgment, but also the end of the bedometer. How does the patient look? Do they yeah. look grey and ghastly? Mm. If they look grey and ghastly, and most of these patients are young with a penetrating trauma, that means they're about to fall off the precipice. Mm. This is when the experience kicks in, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. If I want to summarise this, uh, an emergency thoracotomy in the A&E then is indicated for a patient with a stabbed chest who's gone into cardiac arrest uh, within the past 10 minutes or so. And the aim here is, uh, or will be, to restore adequate cardiac output 
to allow time for the patient to be transferred to theatre. However, what we are talking about here is clinical judgment uh, uh, to decide uh, for a patient with cardiac output whether the patient is taken to the scanner or theatre. And if you decide that, okay, that you need to get into the chest, what will be your preference to get into the chest? What, what, you know? I think with penetrating trauma to the chest, I think it would always be a clamshell thoracotomy. Um, wide exposure, uh, it's the easiest way to get into the chest, uh, particularly if you're not experienced at it. Um, and you can do almost anything inside the chest through a clamshell thoracotomy. There, there is, uh, we, we've put a quite a detailed kind of um, account of uh, step-by-step account of how you do a clamshell on surgerytalks.com uh, for those uh, 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 listeners who would like uh, more details on this. But just just go through it with me. So how would you do this clamshell? So if, so if I'm there on my own and I'm the experienced surgeon, as it were, then I would stand on the patient's left-hand side and I would uh, take a blade and I would go fifth intercostal space from the lateral edge of the sternum right down bold strokes down to the, the table that the patient's lying on. Um, so Laterally? Laterally, yes. Yeah. So kind of mid-axillary kind of line type Yeah, thing. so if, if it's a female, uh, which I, I've never had to do, but the, the textbooks say to, uh, an inframammary fold, that's, that's, your best, mm. that's your best guide. But in a man, if you roughly follow just below the nipple line, the rib, the, the, the rib space there. So it's not about um, uh, taking your time. You've got to be bold. Um, skin, fat, all the way down to muscle. Um, get uh, get ex- get two fingers into the chest cavity and then take a pair of scissors and just go up towards the sternum, down towards the table, and uh, ju- just to get yeah, so you can get your hands inside at the so, chest. Okay, so you've opened your the left chest and yeah. then you very quickly basically extend it to the right, or do you do anything in the left before you decide? So personally, it would be quickly extending it to the right, unless, again, and I've never had to do this myself, unless you can clearly see a cardiac tamponade. Um, In my hands, I think you're more likely to get a full clamshell thoracotomy. So if I've got an experienced assistant, whilst I'm examining the left chest, I would ask the assistant to do the exact same incision on the patient's right side of the chest. And if you don't have an assistant? You can just lean across and just just meet in the middle. It saves Um, time as well. Yeah, time is of the essence. And how would you go through the sternum? Yeah, so... uh, um, Plastic cast scissors, so tough cuts. They're, yeah. they're definitely the easiest. They're, they're always on hand in the ED, and you just take the scissors and you just bite through the sternum, and you can usually do it in two to two to three, two to three snaps of the scissors. And the internal mammary arteries sometimes don't bleed when you cut through them because they've no. gone to spasm. Patients hypertensive. Mm-hmm. But when you get the patient back, <laughs> yes. they soon do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a good sign. Yeah. Quite reassuring when that happens. But also critically, after at the time of closure, you're going to have to find these and tie them yes, securely. Otherwise, yeah. you've got a problem mm-hmm. on your hand postoperatively. Um, and then, so okay, you've done your clamshell. Uh, just uh, let's go through the steps that you will take. Is there is there a systematic approach to this that you you do? I think generally speaking, yes. But I think 
you, you, you can individualise it for each patient depending on where the wounds are but I think the easiest way to think about it is does this patient have a cardiac does this patient have a cardiac tamponade so therefore you're going to open up the pericardium uh, longitudinally uh, from top to bottom in, in the middle to avoid the phrenic nerves laterally uh, you're going to deliver the heart you're going to inspect front and back and you're going to put your finger over any obvious bleed. Now clearly, if there's a tamponade, there'll be a gush of blood. It's important to communicate that with the anaesthetist to say that you've released the tamponade. Um, if when you've opened up uh, the heart, uh, the pericardium rather, uh, and there's no tamponade, and there's no obvious cardiac defect, and there's no obvious blood elsewhere in the thoracic cavity, then you've got a decision to make about what you do next. What are the decisions? So, I th- so I believe, I think that the next best step is to assume that the blood is distal uh, and potentially that you're in the wrong cavity and to expedite or rather to, to temporise the situation, my next step would be to clamp the descending thoracic aorta. Yeah. And what, what would be the, so you're, you're doing that partly because you're, you're going to increase the blood pressure in the upper part of the body to the to the so, brain is that, yeah, is so, that and also so obviously the, the and body also stops the bleeding distally yeah, yeah mm. so the body's physiologically will, will be trying to prioritise the brain and the heart but mm. you can assist that by essentially preventing blood flow to anything uh, distal to the to the left arm mm. uh, so getting control of the descending uh, thoracic aorta will prioritise any blood flow uh, to the heart I think Another indication for um, clamping the, the thoracic aorta is if you've got a, a stab wound to the heart and the heart chambers are actually empty. So you can help the anaesthetist while they fill the patient up with blood volume. You can clamp the thoracic aorta and make sure that any blood that is being delivered is actually going directly into the heart and up to the brain. So let's just concentrate on the heart. So um, first of all, it's important to point out that the only sure way of ruling out a tamponade is to actually opening the pericardium. Is that so? Even if the pericardium kind of looks okay, so in my view, if mm. you're doing a clamshell thoracotomy, mm. every time the pericardium is opened, you assume yeah. that it's a cardiac injury until proven otherwise. And the only way to exclude a cardiac tamponade or exclude an actual cardiac muscle injury is to open up the heart and visually inspect it. And of course, you can also uh, do that uh, if you are happen to be in the abdomen and you find the problem maybe is north in the chest. Yeah. From the upper part of the your midline laparotomy, you can just quickly do a zephoid yeah. window. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And how would you how would you just describe that to us? How would you do that? So again, so um, if you if you're in if you're inside the abdomen, uh, essentially uh, you can actually see the heart pumping mm-hmm. uh, through through the middle of the the diaphragm effectively, uh, and uh, where the left and right uh, hemidiaphragm meet in the middle, and essentially you just um, open up, uh, make a cut directly down, and there's only uh, a few layers that you have to get through, and then you're de- directly onto. Left ventricle, and if then needs be, then you can get, proceed to a thoracotomy. Absolutely. Um, so you okay? You so you, let's say you've opened the the the, the, uh, the pericardium and you encounter clot, you evacuate that, uh, and you see the bleeding point. And so, so I think it, there's almost there would almost be a relief at that point because you found the cause and you put your finger straight on it, and then you can then it's about buying yourself a little bit of time importantly for the anaesthetist to catch up with any blood loss 
then also giving the chance for the uh, the ED team who are with you or the theatre team to gather the equipment that you're going to need to do a definitive repair. This is not the time for people to go and search and look for a Foley catheter. I've no experience with using Foley catheters on the heart. Um, I think finger is just as I good think, as that. Yeah, yeah, definitely putting a finger over it mm-hmm. and just trying to keep everybody calm, including yourself, take a few a few seconds to, to um, go over things in your head and then plan the next move. And the next move would be to suture close this? Suture repair the heart, yes. And how, what, what suture material would you use for this? So um, it depends where you are. Mm. Um, if you've got access to a, a good uh, proline suture with um, pledgets, then you can use that. But you know, in extremis in the ED, you can use any suture material yeah. just to temporise the situation and then a more definitive repair can be done um, up in the up in the theatre suite. You can use uh, staplers. Absolutely, yeah. Anything, yeah. Um, so what about the lung injuries? Um, so if a patient is an ex- extremist, um, what I would do in that situation is clamp off the, the relevant hilum um, there are other maneuvers. With a vascular clamp. With a va- vas- or even um, you can just use your hands uh, yes. to, to start with, put your hand around the hilum, or you can use a nylon ribbon, but again, that's really only available uh, up in the theatre suite. Um, it's a relatively straightforward um, procedure to do, um, and that, that gains definitive control of that particular lung and gives you time to assess where, where the bleeding is actually coming from. If it's more peripheral, then you can just do a wedge resection. Um, and uh, I have no experience in doing a pneumonectomy, but if the patient is in, in, in extremis, then an emergency pneumonectomy uh, is another option. Pretty poor outcome by the time you get to a pneumonectomy. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the things, that, a couple of things, one is uh, inferior pulmonary ligament. Mm-hmm. It's very quick to mobilise that, yep. and that really gives you a lot of freedom to play with this lung. Yeah, so that so if you take down the inferior pulmonary ligament, and essentially what you do is you lift the bottom of the lung up, and it's attached to the pleura on the uh, medial aspect, and, and it's very obvious to see that allows you to actually uh, get quite a lot of manoeuvrability of the mm-hmm. lung to look from front and back, and to assess how, how you're going to deal with uh, any any injuries. And what about a ventilated lung? You know, in a fully ventilated lung, I mean, you really don't have much view, particularly no. of, say, aorta, if you want to... I think in those, situa- in, in those situations, um, if you're down in the ED, you just have to deal with what you've got. But in an ideal situation, if there is time, then before um, you do your thoracotomy or indeed any manoeuvres, you're talking about um, uh, one, lung, one lung ventilation, or um, using bronchial blockers so that you can inflate and deflate both lungs um, or do one at a time for whatever side happens to be And a a slightly deflated lung gives you that extra room Mm -hmm. where you can just deflate it with your hand and lift it up and medially to expose the aorta behind. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, So when you want to identify the aorta, I mean... uh, I suppose you, you can't really look for a big pulsatile vessel often because particularly in the young, they would, have, they would be hypotensive, mm-hmm. the, the aorta will be in spasm, so they could be absolutely tiny. So in the young patient who's been stabbed, the aorta is actually surprisingly small 
and the, the way the way to do it is actually to make make a fist uh, in the left chest and run it over the back of the thoracic cavity until you hit the vertebral body along the ribs along the ribs yeah. until mm-hmm. you reach the vertebral bodies mm. and you will have um, you will have between your fist and the vertebral body you'll have the thoracic aorta in there and then you want to open up the pleura uh, overlying that and essentially put your finger around front and back and then you can put your clamp uh, around the, 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 the defect you've made, yeah. essentially. You're, I mean, dividing the pleura is critical, isn't it? Otherwise your clamp would just not work that well. And, and also, critically, you should avoid damaging the esophagus, which happens to be just, just behind. behind that yeah. and to the right. Um, I think um, if, if you don't open up the pleura, the clamp will either not go on or it's going to slip off. Um, what about blunt trauma? The um, role of thoracotomy in blunt trauma. Yeah, I think I think the evidence that's emerging, and uh, it's all case series. Um, I think the evidence that's emerging for the outcomes following blunt trauma is that it is dismal. And in my view, unless you have a patient who is a victim of blunt trauma who has got clear signs of life or has had signs of life within no more than a few minutes, um, recognised by some sort of trained professional, they were definitely alive showing signs of life, then I don't think you've got anything to gain by doing a thoracotomy. Because the type of um, injuries that you're going to encounter are quite With different. De- often devastating, uh, unsalvageable, mm. even in the best, most experienced hands. Yeah.